This episode of the Adventure Game Engine Interest Series was brought to you in part by the generous donations of our Portal Maker patrons, Griffith Locke and Leona. We couldn't do this show without folks like you, so thank you. D20 Radio, where gamers roll. Welcome to the Aegis, Ecolite. We have so many portals, so many wondrous things to show you. But today, I think this one will be perfect. Welcome to the Adventure Game Engine Interest Series, where we talk about all the age, all the time. My name is Ren. I'm Jessica. Still, well, Jess. I keep calling myself Jessica. I don't really use the Ica that much. Yeah. The kids took the sick apart. They did. Now it's just Jess. Now it's just Jess. The little fairies took the Ica. Well, I mean, I still have to use it as a professional. Mm, I see. Welcome to the Adventure Game Engine Interest Series. We're a podcast all about the age role-playing games from Green Running. Uh, and we've got, I think, a very cool show for you tonight. Uh, we've got... Uh, we didn't have a poll for this episode. Uh, I wanted to get to this book quickly uh, because it just came out like last week. It was a poll with one responder. The one responder. That was me. It's my podcast. You mean you went with me? Please. I made the SoundCloud. My Nintendo! I bought the console. But uh, today we're going to be talking about the Modern Age Mastery Guide, which uh, I'm very glad we get to talk about it because it's very cool. Yeah, I don't know much about this actually, yeah, so I'm looking forward to learning a bit. It's barely more than a week old now. Uh, oh, and it's available. Yeah, it's right now it's only available. You can buy it digitally and you can pre order the physical copy right now. Um, but it's it's very good. I'm very excited to, to tell talk all about it. We can only talk about it so much because yeah. talking about a book is a very particular situation. We're yeah. not gonna. We're, I want to tell you what's in the book, but I'm not gonna tell you about the stuff that's in the book. If that makes any sense. You still need to buy it. I I, would, I definitely want folks to go grab this book, and hopefully after this episode, you'll be thinking, "Dang, I want to master modern age." That's my hope, at least. I hope this is well. Mm-hmm. All right. Oh, also, I know uh-huh. this is not anywhere near the script, but can yeah. we just, as a podcast, congratulate Paizo for unionizing? Yeah. As a gaming pod, as a role-playing game podcast, absolutely. Yeah. There's a lot. We can we, do that. we know and love a lot of people at Paizo, and even if we didn't, they. This is a great step forward, and we're really happy for them. We're really proud of them. For a games industry perspective, this is this is groundbreaking, huge. Yes, so uh, well done them. Here's hoping that this uh, is a solid step forward for them and for the rights of devs everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, software developers and janitors and product selling folks and all those other people who don't get credit all the time. We need more unions everywhere. Sprinkle them on everything. 
Most of the time. Most of the time. <laughs> All right. So first things first, as usual, uh, we are a member, a proud member of the D20 Radio Network, which is a podcasting network of folks who talk about role-playing games, card games, board games, uh, and other geekery miscellany. Uh, and today we're going to be making a quick shout out to our good friends at Me and Steve Talk RPGs. Hmm. Uh, that sounds nice. They're one of my favorites to listen to. They're just very casual. Uh, just uh, several Steves. At least two. That's uh, a lot of Steves. There's an awful lot of Steves in one place. They barely contain their Stevery as they talk about role-playing games. Uh, they talk. It's a bit more general, although they've been having a lot of uh, uh, guests on lately. Um, like most recent, in their most recent episode, they get uh, the host from one of the newer podcasts on the D20 Radio Network. Uh, goodness, his name is escaping me right now, but he is the host of Werewolf the Podcast. Uh, folks who we've uh, featured before. They're a podcast about werewolf, about the various iterations of the werewolf role-playing game, um, some of which are coming into the future, and they talk about werewolf, uh, about uh, how you know, a couple of them got into werewolf, and <laughs> thank you, Oblivious. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we have, let's see, of course. Do you want me to run comment. the chat? Oh, yeah, if you wouldn't mind. <laughs> it's a very, you know, very simple, very important message uh, yes. from our friend Oblivious. What an excellent message, thank which, you. Which uh, we're not, so you know, which we're going to leave as a mystery if to you everybody want to, who's if only If you want to hear so many of the great messages, maybe you should join us on time. So we'll join us on Twitch sometime. Thank you. I said on time, of course, as though we weren't ten minutes late. I mean, you know, and I started the stream at eight. Okay, I was ten minutes late. Uh, you know, whatever. Uh, so please check out our, fo our good friends at Me and Steve Talk RPGs. We'll include links uh, to all of their cool stuff in our show notes and in the description for this episode. And uh, without further ado, we're going to start watching the portals, which is going to be our news section. Mm. One of these days I'll have a cool bed for it. I've already got some ideas. Probably steal a bunch of stuff from Sirenscape. I also still think that getting, getting uh, cuts from the characters in our... Actual yeah. play would be a great way to do that. It could be game. fun. It could be it could be a fair amount of work, but it could be fun. Not that much work. Yeah, Especially if you just need Klein and Eunice, you just put me and Joe in a room long I mean, enough and they'll pop out. I mean, it, if we're if we're not going through the episode, the shows, the show itself to find some voice clips. Oh then. no, we we have the voice actors. We do have the actors available. We could do that. Uh, there is uh, this is a very rare chance for us to do our news section because in these weird covid times uh not a lot of stuff is happening these days and that's fine not to say that there's nothing happening there's probably a lot of stuff going on behind mm -hmm. uh not a lot to report yeah not a lot to report just yet but today we've got a lot of stuff to report for age fans oh man yeah there's some big news uh-huh uh it has been the past couple of weeks have been pretty big for adventure game engine fans uh, especially for us here in the Adventure Game Engine Interest series. Mm -hmm. uh, first, Fantasy Age's new core rulebook has got both a cover reveal and a release time announcement. The uh, new core book for which several folks, uh, perhaps even you, dear listener, participated in a playtest earlier this year, 2021, uh, is the but uh, the uh, there was a playtest for this core book, and there had, it sounds like there have been a couple of internal playtests happening as well. Uh, they're hard at work at it. 
the new core the new core rulebook uh, cover by Wayne Reynolds is finally uh, available for viewing. It's very pretty. Uh, and makes it very clear that Freeport is definitely going to be part of Fantasy Age once the core book comes out. Um, mm-hmm. That release time is May of 2022. Yep, we are really hoping that it comes out <laughs> at the times that... Really as soon as possible, just because uh-huh. we're very excited. I, I really want to be an envoy, is the long and short, like, this whole mm-hmm. idea of being a cool, like thing like that mm-hmm. would be fun getting yes. to do some fun like social stuff would be neat mm-hmm. we can't say too much about the no. play test it's not like we're under an nda or anything uh but but can't remove but uh there's a lot of stuff that uh, if we start like making particular claims about the new core book yeah it could it, it could, could also not wrong. be involved everything in there the playtest is of course subject to change yes but so many of the cool things in there are things that i want to mm-hmm. do i think that it's a very good step forward for fantasy age this also can i mention that our our bud here oblivious 1737 is listening and doing character art oh. and i have already requested to be able to see it and i'm hoping that at some point we get to see it you can promote yourself. It's fine. We like promoting people that are cool, too. Every so... day at the Adventure Game Engine Interest Series is self-promotion Saturday. Yes, it is. It's true. Also, I the odds that I will be doing character art by the end of this are extremely high. Yes. Like, I'll be talking and doing the exact same thing. So, uh, probably. Art buds. I'll probably be doing some self-promotion here before we finish the news segment. Yeah. Get in there. Uh, so... Big, exciting news. It, you know, from now, from when we're recording this, May does feel like it's a fair ways away, but yeah. uh, they could also be trying to give themselves lots of time to maybe uh, get a print run going. Because, uh, especially in COVID times, uh, getting print runs of anything going is very tricky because you might just call out the printers and they'd be like, there's no paper. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry. We don't, we don't have access to paper right now. So... Patience, my dear friends. Uh, it'll. It's. De- I think. I think it's definitely going to be worth it. Folks at Green Running have been working very hard on this. Um, now, uh, next one should probably be pretty self-evident, but uh, just less than a little over a week ago, as of this recording, uh, Modern Age Mastery Guide came out. Uh, has been released on Green Running's online shop, and you can also get it on Drive Through RPG. Uh, and you and on their shop on the online Green Running Green Running's online shop, you can pre-order the physical copy as well. Uh, we'll be getting to the nitty-gritty of the Modern Age Mastery Guide today, so we're going to save a lot of details for a little later. Um, but the next piece of news uh, is pretty big. I think so. I mean, it is. It, I think it's pretty freaking good. And uh, this will definitely be a subject for a later episode for sure. Uh, but the Age Creators Alliance is finally alive. Uh, yeah. For those of you who don't know, the Age Creators Alliance is a con- community content creation com- community community creation content. I don't know. All several several uh, alliterative words together uh, on Drive Through RPG, where you where you yes yes you could perhaps write something for Fantasy Age or Modern Age, post it on Drive Through RPG, and make a little money off of it. Uh. This is kind of something like uh, Dungeons and Dragons has the DMs Guild, uh, Pathfinder. Let's see, Pathfinder and Starfinder just got Pathfinder Infinite and Starfinder Infinite, 
Uh, there are things like the Storytellers, I think the, the Storykeeper's Vault, the Storyteller's Vault. Um, a lot of games have uh, community content programs, and Age has finally managed to make it happen. It's been a long time coming. We've been hearing that it's going to happen for a good long while, and I think they've been trying to iron a lot of kinks out, but uh, then, you know, uh, good tidings to you for whom the Age Creators Alliance is news, complete news, that you've never heard of it before, and this sounds really cool. You should, you should definitely go write some stuff for it. There's lots of space right now. Uh, Absolutely. For folks like me, we've been waiting for it for a little while, and it's very, very exciting to see it finally come around. <laughs> I see we're having chat. Good yes. chat. Hello, Oblivious. Thank you very much for joining also, us. Also, the art is lovely. Um, before I say the name of the Insta, I want to make sure that that is cool with our Oblivious friend here, because it's a very... The art is lovely, but I don't want to accidentally, like, I don't know, throw names out there that don't want to be thrown out there. So I'm going to wait until we get, like, a, yeah, go ahead, and then I'll do it. Trying to be a, a chill, a chill folk about this. Very good. Well, pending uh, permission. Mm-hmm. Gonna get. Oh, I'm seeing the art now. It looks lovely. Hell yeah! Very excellent. Very pretty. Keep up the good work, Oblivious. Yeah. Okay. Yes, yeah, so we have permission. So it is uh, <laughs> CJ Uptograft art. And that is CJ and then U-P-T-E, Graft Art. And uh, there's just some good stuff here. And I'm going to, hmm. I can't remember how to use my Instagram and have never put anything on it. So I'm going to follow this person now or like it or something. Instagram is great. similar to other stuff we do. I'm so bad at social media, y'all. That's okay. I don't know of a lot of people who are actually good at it who isn't who don't have it as their job. Yeah. Oh god, the only thing up on here is my tattoo and that time I dressed up as a goose and stole your keys. <laughs> I think there's some other stuff from like Good. years ago, but whatever. Fantastic. You know what? That's fine. That's, that's I, fine. That's, those are both very on brand. There's a video of me stealing your keys as a goose. This is fine. Anyway, please go check out that art on Insta and it's lovely and you Aww. won't be disappointed. And uh, without further ado, why don't we go ahead and uh, consult today's lesson from the Nexus. Yeah. Welcome to the main topic, uh, the meat of our show. we're going to have some sort of transition and we don't. One of these days. We'll we're, you know, we're still kind of a garage podcast. We have yeah, a good time. We have, we have other things in our lives these days, too. We like to think that we're big on heart, if not necessarily on production value. We are that. We do have a whole lot of heart, if not a whole lot of production value. So today we're going to be discussing, discussing the most recent volume of age content, the Modern Age Mastery Guide. Ooh. I've been devouring it during my breaks at work uh, and some at home. It's, it's good. It's a good book. And uh, one of the things that the developers uh, like to say as soon as we start talking about it, and I'm going to go ahead and echo them, uh, is despite the fact that it is called a mastery guide, it is not a game mastery guide. Like a couple of other role-playing games that like to put out a book that is very GM-facing, that is uh, usually involves things like new rules or uh, yeah. a, uh, advice on how to run the game. Uh, this is not a book that is only for game masters. 
That's refreshing, too, quite honestly. I mean, Absolutely. It is good to have stuff specifically for game masters, but mm-hmm. uh, there's something to be said for the idea that mastery is something that can belong to everybody. Absolutely. It's a book about playing modern age well and running modern age well. And it's uh, considered to be the sort of fourth core book in the modern age line, alongside the basic rulebook, the companion, and enemies and allies. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Let's see. These hundred is comes in at 130 pages, so it's not particularly big. But mm-hmm. there's is they don't waste a single page. I don't think. Uh, we're going to take a quick look at each, what each chapter includes. Mention some highlights. Give an impression of the book and its contents. Uh, anyone who runs age games should consider picking up this book, not just folks who run modern age. A lot of the content is specifically applicable to modern age because modern age has a couple of conventions and particular rules that things like Blue Rose or Fantasy Age uh, don't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, it's, and of course, it's, uh, if you're running Modern Age, a lot of it is also applicable to The Expanse, which shares a lot of rules. Um, but I will remain quite comfortable in the assertion that all age games, especially, uh, let's say, uh, not especially, including all of them, Going all the way back to Dragon Age and all the way to The Expanse. I think that all age books are worth looking at uh, for players and GMs to help craft the experience that you are after. I like to consider all of the age lines to be source books for for your game. Mm -hmm. For making the game that you want to be playing in. Because age is very modular. And you shouldn't consider, and if just because it says modern age doesn't mean that you shouldn't pick it up if you're playing fantasy age. Or if you're playing Blue Rose. There's really no harm in increasing your toolbox. Absolutely. And this is another excellent toolbox uh, book. Um, And we kind of did the disclaimer earlier, uh, but just to reiterate, we're talking about a role-playing game book. This is a physical, this is a physical and digital, this is right now currently digital only release. Um, We're not going to tell you everything that's in the book. And we're not going to read the book to you. Yeah. Ideally... I imagine that a lot of you out there can read. So please go and take a look at this book and devour it with your eyeballs because it is got good stuff in it. And we'll give you some stuff that we thought that I thought was really cool in it and some stuff that I think is valuable for everybody to take a look at, but we're not going to read you the book. Uh, so with that in mind, chapter one is just titled Playing Well, and it is a device... Uh, a chapter that is all about advice for playing the game well, as this title states. Does what it says in the tin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has solid advice for things like role-playing your characters, using your character sheet for inspiration, building backstories, or hosting the ever-important Session Zero. So glad that they snuck that in there. Session Zero is yes. such an important tool. That's becoming more and more obvious and more and more of a... Uh... Sort of a um... convention... Yeah. Uh, an accepted practice. Yeah, the fact that this is becoming a thing regularly is very it, cool. It deserves more popularity because it's it's just it's just very good to have a session zero. Yeah, I really love. Uh, I think that a lot of games that go pear shaped could have could have potentially gone better. Give it from a American cheesecake <laughs> man. Um, There's a criminal in our recording studio. Criminal committing crimes, mac and cheese crimes. Um, but. Uh, yeah, a lot of things go pear-shaped because because of a lack of communication when at the start out the outset 
And, you know, again, maybe this is because I'm a therapist and communication is kind of my stock and trade. But I think session zero is a great example of how communication can solve problems before they happen. Absolutely. Let's do it. It's very good for setting uh, setting things like boundaries. And... Uh... Yeah, it's uh, Catman, I swear to high heaven. Uh, uh, it looks like we have an offer in our chat. Oh, man, yeah. Very sweet. We will uh, tell you what, we'll, uh, we, we're now connected on Insta, so we'll, we'll chat later about arty things, and maybe we'll do some art trades or something, and it'll be fun. I'm always down for things like that, everybody. Like, I, I love doing Thank you. fun, That's very sweet things, of you. everyone. Please show me your art. I will never get bored with show seeing people's art. art. It's so much fun. Hmm. And anyway, Oblivious, thank you so much. Thank you, you Oblivious. Are Maybe we'll talk to you about that a little later. A cool folk. <laughs> oh, Boogles likes your warm laptop. I'm going to eat this cat. I'm going to unhinge my jaw like a hmm. snake. Aww. Oh, no, he's adorable and I love him. He's a good boy. I wouldn't go that far. Our secret co-host, Boogles. Yeah. He's not very talkative. Unless he wants to bite you. Like he did well, me earlier. Yeah, he bites you. He mostly just bites me. He won't bite me. I raised him. Uh, this chapter, chapter one, playing well, does not really have any rules in it. Uh, but it is an, a gold mine of excellent advice for newer players and GMs and some useful reminders for veterans. Talks about good role-playing practices, working with your game master to create a better story, recognizing bad faith at the table. Very Yes, yeah, oh my goodness. That's a very, very important sidebar. Keep an eye out for that one. Um, and uh, also has a nice little section for adding additional role-playing techniques to the table. Yeah, uh, and can I just... I know that every time this stuff comes up, I gush, mm -hmm. but like, the more and more games are getting into the... This game is intended to create an inclusive and diverse space, and if you're, like, this is going to be now hard-baked into part of a rule set. And I am really happy about that. Like... Here for it. It is not that hard to be a decent human being and respect other people at the table. And n now that, you know, role-playing games are making that chapter one, that just brings my little heart so much joy. Hmm. Uh, some gems from this chapter that I found. Um, no character secret should stay secret from the GM. Yeah. I think that that's... A, and um, I think some folks can maybe reflexively be a little defensive about giving their characters vulnerabilities over to a GM. Mm -hmm. And I can definitely understand that for some folks who have had particular kinds of GMs who maybe... I can't be terribly responsible with that kind of information. Yeah. Um, if, and honestly, if you've got that kind of uh, com competition vibe between the GM and the players, mm -hmm. that's something to hash out in your session zero. Absolutely. Some play groups enjoy a sort of adversarial relationship where it's sort of like a game of chess where there's four people playing against one person. Yes, but in that case, these rules would be very... Mm -hmm. That rule in particular would be very different. Mm -hmm. I think that... In my experience, at least, I'm pretty sure that that is a very rare table. You think? Maybe not? Maybe? No, just uncommon? <laughs> I'm femme-voiced. Yeah. These things happen. Tables that you join 
can sometimes get weird vibes. It's whatever. Mm -hmm. But, yes. So, in general, I think that's a great idea. I mm -hmm. really love the next gem. The idea that you don't deserve to be treated poorly just so you can roleplay. Absolutely. Like, I, bad roleplay is worse than no roleplay. Yes. If you are in a group that is abusive, abusive or that is hurting you, leave. There are other groups. And especially now that sort of uh, virtual tabletops have exploded since, mm -hmm. you know, the before times. Mm-hmm. Is it called the Backstreet Boys reunion tour? The... <laughs> uh, but since then, uh, Tabletop Virtual has exploded, and so it's way easier to find a crew that is going to match your play style and it's going to make you feel safe and welcome. Yes. So don't settle for less. You Her... deserve it. Absolutely. I couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. Let's see. So it's uh, not a particularly dense chapter. It's it's but it's important. But it is, it is very. I think it's an important chapter for everybody to read. A lot of the stuff at the beginning of the book kind of starts off very uh, sort of player facing. But I mean, I think everybody should read all the chapters in this book. Uh, and of course, the GM is also a kind of player. So knowing how to play a game well is mm -hmm. just good skills to have. So. Yep. Take a good look at chapter one. Chapter two is... Uh, chapter two is an interesting one. Variant character creation. Mm. This one goes a bit into the bones of some of the uh, real basic stuff at the very beginning of the basic rulebook in modern age and shakes it up a bit. Which we, I would imagine, are going to avoid very much giving the deets here. We won't, but... give, we won't give a lot of deets, but I do want to let folks know what kind of options are in there so that they can read for, so they can be for, like, for further oh, reading. oh, dang, I should pick this up. Yeah. If, you know, could, there could be an option in here that sounds like it's perfect for your gaming group. Um, the first one I found very fascinating as a concept was zeros. Uh, and what they mean by zeros is a character who has zeros in all stats. They have absolutely basic oh, stats. Oh, no. They don't have any focus. They have. They might have one focus. Uh, they have ten defense, ten health, ten speed. Oh, honey, no! And it's supposed to be uh, more for creating a character who is a very, very everyday person who has to rise to a challenge. I mean, I it, at least Klein got to have <laughs> stats. Like it can be a very curious uh, experience. I thought. Um, Especially yeah. if you want to run something like a horror game where you have a mm. bunch of regular ass people. Yeah, low power is great for horror games. Mm -hmm. Especially, and if you're going grimdark, this will help you. <laughs> might, <laughs> might, this might be some extra stuff for gritty mode. Maybe maybe be careful if you're going into a gritty game. Or maybe don't be careful if that's the game. If, if you are putting this in a gritty game, you threw careful <laughs> out the window several steps back. That's fair. Uh... Next, they have option, several options for creating simplified characters. Uh, Modern Age, I think, is a pretty straightforward game. Um, but for folks who want the game to be uh, even simpler to run, uh, with not quite so many, because, you know, even for a brand new player who, can, who sees, like, those nine abilities on the on the character mm -hmm. sheet bubbles to write in the character's score, the uh, character's focuses and places for talents. It can be a lot. Especially if you're maybe jumping into a game that's supposed to be starting at a higher level. Hey, Leona's here. Hi, Leona. Yay. We're glad to have you, as Hello. always. Welcome. I'm glad that you could join us however late you ended up here being. That is just Leona. fine. <laughs> Hello, 
Leona. I'm not doing the whole thing. I'm not doing it. That's fine. Maybe next time. Maybe maybe next time. I'll, I'm, I will make. I will sing a version of that for Here Comes the Groy, and I will do that next time. <laughs> Fantastic. Maybe accompany it with art. Oh, yes, please. Uh, but Simplified Characters is uh, has a couple of steps to it, and I think a lot of the steps are pretty modular depending on how you want to run it, but like characters now have three ability scores. Uh, just three. And each of those have, can have uh, sort of like overarching focuses mm-hmm. that would apply to a lot of normal focuses that would normally appear in an age game. Uh, some of it's a bit more incremental. I think ability scores going up because there's only three of them is pretty incremental. Mm-hmm. Um, they, uh, you have the option of do of you know picking things like profession and drive and background, or you can throw that out the window and have a very simplified opera uh, option that just gives you some free floating mon- numbers and says, "Here, what do you want to do with them? <laughs> Go." And that, that can be really, really solid yeah. for new players and also for players who just kind of want to finger paint, just, as it yeah. were. <laughs> I like, like that, yeah. You only need you only need the primary colors finger paint. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's more fun than painting a Monet. Like. There's even options for simplifying talents. Um, instead of getting talents, you could take a talent, write its name down, and get a number of talent points that you can spend on your talents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you just spend those talent points to make stuff happen when you think one of your talents would apply to a situation. Mm-hmm. Very cool. It's it very fascinating. A lot of the stuff in here is very fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, another very fascinating thing that comes up right next is character classes. If mm-hmm. you may, if maybe if your group finds our classless system very strange or very foreign or new, then this could be a great way to, to get folks to Good come in. training wheels. Exactly, yeah. They uh, take inspiration. It's, the book says that it took inspiration from Fantasy Age, and they made three character classes. The Combatant, the Expert, and the Operative. There you go. Uh, and oh, these and... are designed to yeah. sort of streamline character creation and leveling up so that players don't feel like they have to have to own three books go through all of them when they build it when they have a character level up so it takes away a little bit of decision making some players appreciate that yeah um one of the other things that we want to talk about from chapter two it's two particular things and they're just right up my alley as someone Mm -hmm. who just kind of goes goes a ow what are you doing that's not smart Cat just gave me a chomp and decided to run away because I wasn't petting him enough, I guess. He's grumpy tonight. Yeah, you don't usually bite me. You're usually a whole lot smarter than that. Hmm. We don't have time for, uh, what's it called? Uh, I have this. Okay, well, don't don't spray him. He's having a day. But if he comes back to do me a bother, I'm just going to pick him up and hold him like a baby, and then he will stop. He'll figure it out. Um, No, the thing that I really, really love is uh, doing character development stuff. Did you just do a tiny bite on my foot? The tiniest bite? Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry, everyone. We're having technical difficulties? Yep. Okay, well, why Question don't you mark? talk about this thing that I love so I'll much? Tell you, I'll tell you folks and all I'm about I'm going to go grab thing. a cat that needs maybe a little bit more love. We're going to acquire a cat. Um, no, no, they okay. include a couple of uh, 
mechanics, quote-unquote, uh, but additional rules elements that can help sort of inform your role-playing and uh, incentivize. Did we talk about what they are? Incentivize your role-playing, yes. I'm back anyway. I have uh, a cat now. Um, the first one is quirks. Yes, I love quirks. I love quirks. I love the idea of uh, two quirks and a flaw mm-hmm. as your character creation method if you want to do something quick and dirty. It's so much easier to make an interesting character if you've got quirks mm-hmm. to mess with, like, and making them kind of specific. And it sounds like these lists are pretty good. They've got a couple of neat, of neat little things in there. Uh, oh. Don't you at me. <laughs> we've got a very grumpy cat. Um, you can roll on. They've got some tables that you can roll on if you're not sure which one to go for. If you just want to, like, reach into a hat and pull something out. Um, but, of course... You can always pick anything from the table that feels appropriate. Or make something up. But basically, the idea of quirks is giving you something actionable that you can use to sort of give your character a bit more more color, uh, a bit more personality. Uh, And they incentivize it in that when you have your quirk come into play, uh, usually, and I think they, they say that they want the quirk to have an effect on the story, (laughs) <laughs> you hear that grumpy cat in the back. But when your quirk comes into the story, um, it can refill your conviction. If you're using the conviction rules, of course. Conviction rules being sort of floating points that you can use to get things like rerolls and healing and uh, removing oh, conditions. Pat it. Oh. Uh, the next one is very similar, uh, which is called personality traits. Yes. Uh, and these traits come in uh, contrasting or opposing pairs. Uh, and they're usually supposed to be things that your character will do or will not do. Uh, but they're meant to be sort of... Uh, they're also meant to be something that uh, when a situation comes along, you can consult your personalities, your personality traits to uh, know what your character does to kind of pull you back into the fiction rather than just making uh, an expedient uh, choice that a good player at a game table would make. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, quirks and personality traits are very useful for pulling you into the fiction. Yeah, I lo- and I really love that they have uh, contrasting pairs mm-hmm. because I think giving... Uh, it, it can also help with the idea of flaw development. Yes. Like, if you got a character with a very specific positive attribute, mm-hmm. there are some very common negative attributes that can be the natural progression. Mm-hmm. And sometimes pairing this stuff off can make that more easy to see and therefore more easy to, like, portray. Mm-hmm. Also, I will say, though, and I know this is like playing someone else's hand in a different game, but there will never be a quirk that I will love more than the uh-huh. original Pathfinder quirk available in one of the tables where the character carries a small kobold puppet on their hand and talks to it in opportune moments. That is the best quirk <laughs> that has ever been written. I'm that, not taking notes. No, there are no notes to take. That is, it's just perfect. Yeah, I will, I will die on that hill. Um, but yeah, no, I, I love character creation, and I think this chapter doesn't disappoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, chapter three is about playing with the rules. Uh, and this one's a curious one because uh, it includes a number of new rules that you can add. Uh, they put it near the front so that players can also see them and maybe uh, suggest them to the GM if the players think it sounds fun. And of course, GMs can apply any of the rules that feel appropriate for their game. 
Um, but the beginning of this chapter is actually some suggested rules revisions mm-hmm. for Modern Age. Mm-hmm. Modern Age has been out for a couple of years, and there has been a lot of emergent uh, behaviors that the developers have observed. Okay. Oh, man, that cat's very angry. He's just grumpy today. Usually he'll chill out. You know, mm. he's not even... Maybe we give him some space. He can have uh, some space as long as he doesn't come back and bite anybody. But um, they've seen a lot of things come around, uh, some holes in the system that they want, they want to plug up. So the this beginning of this chapter includes some revisions to the normal modern age rules uh, that the book suggests you start to implement in your modern age games. You, of course, don't have to. They're, uh, uh, just like anything else in this book, they are completely optional. But they are re- they come recommended from the mm-hmm. folks at Green Run uh, for example, uh, they include new focuses for things like forensics, uh, survival, uh, com- filling up a couple of gaps that not a lot of the other focuses sort of fill, and they've got mm-hmm. a couple others in there. Uh, they've got a new action called Brace, uh, and they've got a revision of the stunt attack action. It now gives you two stunt points instead of one. Mm. Fancy. With one exception of, I think, like vehicular attacks. Uh, there's a big overhaul on how grenades work, and I think it's very, very interesting. It makes them a bit more granular, but I think it's... Grenadular. Uh, grenad- grenadular. Um, but grenades now have, like, a range... I think a grenade's range now is 20 yards plus strength, which I think is a good way to be. Uh, you only need to hit a target... You still only need to hit a target number 11 to drop it in the space you want, unless you're trying to make a bit of a trick throw. Um, and now grenades have uh, have variable ranges, uh, but within those they have a kill radius and a casualty radius. Uh, if the grenade, if you get hit by the grenade's kill radius, you take the full damage from the grenade, and if you're in the casualty radius, you automatically take half damage. Uh, they also have a nice little sidebar that includes some optional rules for players who see a grenade roll up and would like to do something about it. Yeah, that is something about the way grenades work in this game that has Mm -hmm. been an irritant to me, is that there's really nothing you can do about them. It's a target number 11 that some rando has to hit, Mm -hmm. and then it does not matter how high your defense is, it does not matter, like, what abilities you have that let you move out of the way. Mm -hmm. You don't even get the chance to dodge it. It just Fs you up. Uh, and I so, like the idea of there being some reactions that we can mm-hmm. take, which I've not read yet, but... They're optional choices, but they have our actions for, like, taking cover. Uh, they have our reactions for picking up the grenade and throwing it back at them. lob it back? Can you absolutely we lob can. it back? You have to make a target number 17 sl- dexterity sleight of hand check, uh, and it costs you your next turn's major action to Incredible. do so. Incredible. But you can throw the grenade back. I love uh, this. And if you're that kind of character or in that kind of situation, there's also an option for for for, for jumping on top of it oh, and taking the hit yourself. It's pretty nasty because you take you automatically take double damage, and I, but I think everybody else uh, in the casualty radius avoids all the damage, hmm. if I recall correctly. Well, I read it rather quickly. Don't, I say don't don't read it out exactly yeah, anyway. Something like that. Uh, Cover rules have been revised. Uh, modern games have lots of lots of ranged combat, so no. So uh, they've adjusted how cover works a little bit to more reflect the needs of a modern game. Uh, the concept of simple tests have been has been added. Simple tests being just 
GM calls for a test and just needs to know if you succeeded or failed. You cannot generate stunt points on it. Yeah, getting stunt points on it might slow the game down. GM just needs to have a yes or a no. Uh, as well as the boost stunt. The boost stunt being just... Just, you get a plus one to your next test for spending a stunt point. And I think you can do it as, basically as many times as you spend stunt points on it. Interesting. So, if you've got kind of like two stunt points left over after you spent like five of them and you're not sure what else to do, just add plus two on your next Boost thing. Boost mode. Boost mode. Um, the following, uh, we're not going to get super in-depth in, on, on a lot of these, but uh, it includes a lot of additional rules that you can add things to your Things that game. you should check out if you're yeah. curious about Some of these them. I was actually planning on bringing to our group, because I was wondering how, how you folks might appreciate them. Uh, first one being high-level damage and defense. I suspect we're going to find that anyway. Uh, if I recall correctly, that one is about adjusting how some actions work uh, based on being a higher-level character. Interesting. Uh, and it has some adjustments in modern age based on what mode you're playing. Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, I think it's that uh, actions like defend, guard up, and all out well, attack not... uh, will have uh, ch- will, will change their uh, bonuses and penalties based on your level. Okay. So you got to keep some mystery. <laughs> we'll keep some mystery. Uh, I'm so excited to talk about it. There's a lot of cool stuff in here. Please go take a look. Uh, attack maneuvers is based on the idea that. When you attack somebody, that's pretty much you make an attack roll and any roll damage, and then that's it. This is but for the grapply, trippy. This is yeah. Uh, this is actually more for like um, I want to throw myself at them real hard, or I want to take a cautious approach to this, or uh, can you throw a fucker into another fucker? Uh, not with attack maneuvers, but there are stunts for that. Okay. Which that imp- new and improved stunt action can stunt attack can help you out with. Um, oh, so yeah, we swear in here. Everybody. Oh yeah, the, 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 we we definitely swear here. I had to turn we off are... <laughs> my my filter because you know I try not to swear too much when I'm doing therapies. So. We're a podcast for all ages, but not actually. We will swear. And I, I... Uh, we do have the explicit tag. Uh, the there is rules for bleeding, where if you take particularly large amounts of damage, you start to bleed. Right. I feel like oh, we should just say it. the words and let people hmm. imagine what they are. Uh, we could do that. Uh, conditions. It does what it says on the tin, on the tin, I think. Yeah, it's a little different from the hazard effects that are from the Modern Age Companion, but some of those are included in here. Uh, so if you know what those are, you got a good feeling for what these are. Uh, injuries, which includes tables for rolling injuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, rules for massive damage. Now that is one that I think we are going to discover whether we like it or not. Probably. It's got rules for, you know, if you take a particularly nasty hit, maybe something extra happens. And it will change based on your game mode. Um, encounter intensity is a very curious one that I read. I found very fascinating. Um, the idea being that you have an intensity modifier that as the encounter drags on, the intensity increases... And characters in the encounter get bonuses to particular tests or abilities uh, as the encounter drags out. That one can get really interesting. I highly recommend taking a look at that, especially for folks who are having high action games. Um, And the last one's not really rules, more like guidelines for simple encounters. Uh, You know, not every encounter needs to have a lot of moving parts to it. And these are good guidelines for making for streamlining your gameplay. Oh, please, God. There's nothing like a, a fight that drags on. 
a fight against mooks that drags on for like three hours and you're like i mm-hmm. if i die will this end uh, but this is basically like every round the intensity modifier goes up and maybe like everybody gets bonuses to damage everybody gets bonuses maybe everyone gets bonuses to toughness uh some of them if you apply both of them it kind of cancels out so you so it's not like there's one way to do it gms will have to look at it and decide for themselves what mm-hmm. they want to do with that uh but that one sounded real exciting and terrifying depending on how long some encounters might drag out yes uh chapter four of this book is another advice chapter called welcome to the party this one is largely it sounds like about how to not be a dick this is a very this is very much a chapter that's talking about establishing good communication around the table yeah it's my whole jam. Let's it do it. Is, it. Role-playing games are a collaborative experience. So this is teaching you how to collaborate. Uh, yeah. How to work with your fellow players and how to work with your GM to make the game better for everybody. Yeah. Well, and some of this is also useful uh, for, for a number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to go into my... <laughs> I'm not going to get into my own my job here too uh-huh. far. But one of the things that is... That drew me personally into tabletops and Mm -hmm. that I think draws a lot of us in is that it works very well for neurodivergent folks, particularly Mm. autistic folks. Yes. Yes. And this is one of the places like being like starting at the age of 12, one of the places I learned the most about how to cooperate with people and socialize in a place with expected and understandable rules and expectations was in tabletop gaming. And I think that having a chapter like this that can help be, you know, really clarify and specify ways to use the spotlight and share the spotlight, ways to set up other players and work with them, I think that is really helpful for everybody, but especially for people who have social stuff going on. Absolutely. Like 12-year-old me. It can be a good place to pick up those skills. Good place to pick up those skills where it's safe. Where you yeah. can make a mistake or two, and you can apologize for it. Yeah. And everyone understands that. Uh, it also does include some suggestions, uh, not rules, not suggestions, uh, advice on how to maybe deal with some some players that might end up disrupting the harmony around the table. Um, I think they had things like loud and in charge, uh, the rules masters, the wallflowers, folks that aren't necessarily a problem at the table. They could be. Uh, but they have, you know, particular behaviors that might skew the enjoyment of the ta- of the table uh, in one direction or the other. Just stuff to watch out for. Well, and one of the best things about that being a section, I've not read it yet, so I'm not mm-hmm. sure exactly how well it highlights. Yeah. But having that section is good for players who are unsure of social skills as well, because you can see specifically what kind of behaviors make a player, like, count mm-hmm. in one of these categories and ways to avoid it. Yes. Was, I don't know if it was in this chapter. In this book, there is a, there is a spot where somebody or um, the writer is mentioning that sometimes the quiet player just wants to be quiet. Yeah. And that's how they enjoy the game. They may not be waiting, ready to bust out with a big monologue from their character uh, and may actually get a little uncomfortable if the GM specifically calls them and gives them the spotlight. So, you know... Look, collaborate, and listen. Stop collaborating. Stop collaborating and listen? Yeah. 
There's other people. There's other people sitting at that table with you, and you should work with them to make sure that everybody's having a good time. And that's what that chapter's all about. Uh, chapter five is called a player's miscellany. Includes a number of rules options that are very player facing because most of it applies to how player characters are going to be interacting with the game. Uh, they've got rules for revising equipment if uh, you want to add lots of qualities to to equipment to make them a bit more granular. If you want to add a bit more depth to uh, a piece of equipment, giving it qualities like fine or durable, uh, or let's see, or maybe it it looks very nice. Maybe your gun has got gold leaf all over it or something. They've also got rules, and they can add, add flaws to your equipment. Uh, they've also got some rules for dramatic explosives, explosives that don't necessarily we don't necessarily need to know what damage they do, but we know what effect they're going to have on the story. Bang. Uh, they've got a couple of new listings for new equipment uh, with some adventuring gear like listening devices and chemical sniffers, as well as new weapons like dart guns and bows. Some of which maybe are not quite so new to other age games, but uh, those dart weapon, those dart guns, uh, as somebody who played a lot of Metal Gear Solid with tranquilizer guns, <laughs> very nice to have. Um... There's a long section in this chapter about extraordinary powers. Um, it includes minor powers that a hero could gain access that are conceptualized sort of like how you would see a cantrip in a fantasy game. Something that your character doesn't really need to exert a lot of power in order to use. Uh, but you can do like a little trick. Um, most of the extraordinary powers section is talking to players about how their powers work, where they get their powers, how many other people have these powers, uh, what these powers mean for your campaign setting. A very good thing for uh, players to go over their, with their GM if they're going to be including extraordinary powers in a modern age game. For example, if you want to run like a supers game. Mm -hmm. uh, is... Uh, oh, and it also includes a section about alternative sources for the activation of powers instead of just using basic PowerPoints from the basic rulebook. If you want to include, like, maybe you need some kind of sacrifice in order to use your powers. Maybe you take fatigue using your powers instead of spending PowerPoints. Uh, maybe your powers have a limited number of uses. Things like that. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry, I've been distracted by the chat. Oh, good. We're having a good chat. Yeah, I got distracted talking about Baki. Baki? Why are we talking about Baki? Uh, uh not, not, your, not a worry. <laughs> Don't be concerned. Uh, okay. Be concerned. Don't be concerned. Uh, what's, what, what are we, what's chapter six like? Well. Is it great? It's great. It's not, it doesn't include Baki at all. That means that there aren't going to be two grown ass men having a good old fashioned roller coaster fight. No roller coaster fights. So you'll have to. You're going to have to sell me on this. <laughs> uh, well, chapter six is mastering modern age's rules. Uh, the chapter is very GM facing, but that does not mean a player will not gain anything from reading it. Uh, this is about all about the rules that already exist in modern age, uh, and a lot of sort of high concept talk about modern age's rules. Uh, the, for example, they've got a set for mastering success and failure, and they've got some suggestions if you want, uh, because, um, modern ages, well, most age games have usually a fairly binary success and failure state, 
Although success can get a little more granular because you add things like stun points. Um, but they do include some suggestions if you want to maybe uh, have success at a cost. Uh, or maybe if even if you fail at a test, maybe if you generated some stunt points, you can still have something good come out of a failed test. I do like stuff like that. Some more, uh, some more gray area with success and failure, where mm -hmm. it's like you succeed, not without some issues, or mm -hmm. you fail, but you've opened up a new opportunity by failing. Yes, they have a cup. There has there's a table in there for stunts that you can only use on a failed roll, which I thought, and a lot of them are really fun. Yes. One of them is like the the your opponent is your opponent is so confident watching you fail that they betrayed themselves of some information. I like that. I thought that that was a lot of fun. Uh, let's see. Mastering focuses. They include suggestions for using focuses with abilities that they were not originally written for. Ooh, big one for that would be intimidate. I feel like. If you wanted to do like communication intimidation instead of strength intimidation, yes, uh, they they do include that that is very possible and that GMs should be open to that kind of thing. Uh, maybe some some application of a focus you can use in a slightly different way and to be open to that concept and to also be careful with that because you don't want to start getting into the weeds of every session having to talk about what ability should we use this focus with. Yeah, but like. Specifically, I think Intimidate has. I think issues that, that one's. Yeah, I think that one's got some, uh, some good stuff to be. Some good uh, conversations to be had about that. Yeah, I think that one is uh, one that has long deserved to be multi-purpose. Mm -hmm. For sure. There's so many different ways that you can be spooky. There's a lot of ways you can be spooky. Maybe you can just be big, scary, and stoic by doing like willpower intimidation, just stare them down. It's, uh, yeah, I would say so. Uh, they have some rules for creating broad focuses. Uh, if you want fewer focuses to exist in your games, uh, instead of having, like, um, accuracy focuses for submachine guns, for handguns, for long, for long rifles, uh, for bows, for thrown weapons, you, uh, you can just have, like, accuracy guns. Just guns. <laughs> guns. Just guns. Uh, and fighting has like, I think like just like close, just just like fighting close, or like fighting advanced. For really wild weapons. Uh, mastering targets is a section that's all about uh, talking about how to use target numbers well. And they've got a couple. They've got I think the there's a sidebar in there that includes some very useful target numbers. And. Um, Talking about how maybe you could adjust target numbers for drama. Uh, maybe you make a target number higher for a test because there's a lot of emotion charged around it. Uh, or because it's very dramatically appropriate. Um, but they do point out a couple of things that I found very fascinating. In that uh, they do mention that target numbers in a modern age game are usually set based on how difficult something is for a normal person. Mm -hmm. Not how difficult it is for your player to do, for your for the character attempting it, but how difficult is it in the world? Mm -hmm. So uh, making uh, a target number eleven test means that even a person with zero in that in that check could still make it about half the time, maybe a little less than half the time. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, a target number eleven for a for the, something that would be an average 
is super easy for a character who's got a high ability and some focuses and maybe even some gear that's helping them out with it. Uh, they, of course, also include suggestions for, like, if your character... If the character is making a test and the target number is uh, five, is like maybe only five more than their bonus for the test, like, what, like what's Klein's communication persuasion bonus right now? Like plus 11? 12. 12? I think it's a 12. No, he just <laughs> took that, that, that shirt off. Uh, it's an 11 now. An 11. Plus 11. Yeah. So. With that suggestion, it would say that uh, if you were rolling for a target number like 16 test, yeah. that you only need to roll a 5-4, GM should, would be perfectly within their rights to say, you don't need to roll that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. You just do that. Although, that of course does bring into consideration that now the player can't get stunt points on that roll. Something mm-hmm. worth thinking about. Uh, but I found yeah. that particularly well, fascinating. I think allowing them to roll it so that they can take that risk. Mm-hmm. Can also be good, but mm-hmm. if, if it's someone like me, I would very much love to not get the chance to roll three ones and be sad. <laughs> Those three ones are a one in what two hundred and thirteen chance, but not by the way I roll not it. Not by the way Jess rolls. I've been, I've actually been pretty good on on triple rolling ones triple lately. triple ones is pretty hard to get. I mean, it's it's happened more than it should. Compared but to it's like not nearly so bad as my d twenty. D twenty is weird. I love that people in our online pfs lodge are discovering how cursed i am and uh-huh. are also impressed it's always <laughs> nice to see somebody be like oh you weren't kidding baffling no. the statisticians in our gaming groups I, yeah yeah uh one of my favorite parts of this section was actually mastering modes talking about how to use game modes uh which is more specific for like modern age because modern mm-hmm. age has is it's is like a the very gritty the game. pulpy the mm-hmm. and cinematic Um, but this is all about customizing your modes for your game, maybe taking pieces from other modes and smashing them together or taking certain modes and pulling stuff out, Mm -hmm. uh, or adding extra stuff in. And, um, goodness, they had a couple of, uh, additional ideas in there where they would, uh, adjust some stuff. I think there was an extremely gritty mode that they included. It's very scary. (laughs) If you, if you want to have an extremely gritty game, they have a suggestion for how to set one up. Somebody write an Undertale mode. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm living that life, but somebody mm-hmm. write an Undertale mode. I want ways to f- defeat fights that don't involve killing people. Mm-hmm. Uh, this And then this chapter closes out with probably the, one, the part of this book that surprised me the most is Diceless Modern Age. Taking the dice out of Modern Age... They have a whole system for it, and it's very fascinating. It involves a lot more player choice, uh, because you taking the dice out, a lot of what the players are doing is now very conscious choices. It's a lot of um, resource pools, and pulling from those pools to make tests happen, or to get certain stunts that you're after. That is interesting, the idea of taking the RNG out. Yes. I wonder how that would, like, that seems like a really wild and yeah. kind of radical choice. I, that's what I thought. It seemed very, very wild to me. I'm not against it, mm-hmm. but I am confused. Definitely something to look at very closely. A lot of folks probably come to age games because they're excited to roll 3d6 and get doubles. That's exciting. Um, but... Maybe for some folks who 
dislike dice for whatever reason, you know, might appreciate something that uh, involves a lot more conscious choice and a lot more player control. Something worth looking at. Chapter 7 is Modern Adventures. Uh, which is, this is a chapter that is mostly GM-focused because it's about crafting adventures. Not something that players are probably going to do a lot of. But, you know, players could definitely still learn a lot from looking at this. I personally find this chapter extremely useful as somebody who does not have a lot of experience with modern-style games. I've done mostly fantasy and sci-fi. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's difficult for me to even conceptualize what to do in a modern game. Granted, there's probably there's mountains of inspiration if I just look at things like movies and comic books. Oh yeah. Uh, this book, but the book discusses several methods for story building, uh, including chapter-based adventures, uh, adventures based around specific locations, adventures that revolve around particular characters and their choices, uh, and adventures in a dynamic and shifting world. Uh, it's a pretty chunky chapter. Definitely worth taking a look at. Um, but again, we're not gonna we're not gonna read it all to you. No, that's uh, that's not a thing we're gonna do. Yeah, go check that one out. Check it out. Uh, and finally, we have chapter eight: the art of game mastering. This chapter, this final chapter, talks about running games, uh, and uh, it has a couple of nice things that I was happy to go back and look at, especially when we look at the preparation section. Uh, it includes a lot of tools and suggestions for how to be prepared, or at least feel like you're prepared when a game when game night comes along. Uh, it also includes some uh, idea, some not ideas, but uh, some discussions about game mastering styles. Uh, talks about their flaws uh, and their advantages for each table, and uh, <laughs> tag yourself, <laughs> tag yourself. I'm a story collaborator. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you are. Uh, well, well all, you're all. Excuse me. None. Few GMs are ever one type of of GM style. You have a whole setting. I I do like. You to, cannot I, tell me you are not also the world crafter. You have I, done the thing. I do. I do like having all of. I do like having a little bit of all of these because I also definitely feel like I do the challenge giver. Yeah, you tried to take our teeth. I didn't. Well, I didn't do it. Carved did it. But I very much enjoyed setting up the situation. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't take your teeth. Yeah, no, it was the Charnel Knight. Definitely something worth looking at, and it, it's I found it useful because it helped me examine my particular styles. Yeah. And uh, identifying your styles can be very valuable for finding your strengths and weaknesses, leaning into those strengths and finding ways to either cover, up for, the, uh, cover for the weaknesses or avoid them. Yes. Uh, the last part of the chapter uh, includes a section on responsibility, communication, and kindness. This sounds like much of the stuff from chapter one and chapter four, mm -hmm. but also show, hey, GMs, you have some responsibilities here, too, to it's not Captain be America jerk. pulling up the chair to talk to the game masters like, hey, folks. Why did you go for Captain America and not Sonic Says? I mean, I could go for Sonic you Says. absolute I went, I went traitor. The, I, went, <laughs> I went for the gif. That's fair. I went for the gif. Uh, but Sonic says, GMs, you got a lot of responsibility because you, uh, sitting at this table, have comparatively a fair amount of power over how the game happens. And if and you try to, to put that power over someone in a way or a place that makes them feel uncomfortable, <laughs> that's no good. No good. 
I was going to wait for the opportunity, and then I just decided to take it. Yeah, that's fair enough. Um, But that is a very valuable section to read because, you know, game masters have a fair amount of responsibility at the table, and it can be very easy to slide into abusing that power. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. That's not cool. It's not fun. doesn't make a good game. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the very end of this book, uh, at the end of this chapter, technically, they also have uh, some pages that you could print out uh, that include a lot of the rules revisions and a lot of the new rules that are introduced in this book so that you can hand them over to your players as handouts and they've got a reference uh, ready to go so they don't necessarily so they don't necessarily have to ask for your mastery guide to take a look at the rules again. Handouts are always good. I think so. I like handouts. All right. I believe. Uh, I believe uh, we've come to a very important part of the show. Honestly, probably one of the most important parts. I would. I would argue. Also, by the way, I have decided unilaterally, as my but on my own, mm-hmm. that the transition into this part of the show is going to be. Here comes the groy. I want to see groy. my little groy. Here he comes. I want to see my little groy. There are so many ways we can do this. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the humble groy. Uh, these, <laughs> perhaps the most important section of the Adventure Game Engine Interest series. Uh, this is part of my uh, request to the good folks at Green Running that uh, if Fantasy Age needs a mascot, they need no lo- look no further than the humble groy. Please make groy sounds wherever you are, where whenever you are. Join us singing the songs. Of the deep earth. Right. I have to do this now, don't I? Right. 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 Here's your grow fact of the day. Supposedly, groy can keep growing if they keep being fed. Could a groy grow so large to become the world? Has one already? Has one already is a really interesting fact of the day. Maybe we all just live on the butt of a very large groy. It's groy all the way down. It's groy all the way down. Uh, And now, to close out our show, a haiku. They wait in the ground. Food happens upon their nap. Bites happen to food. This has been... This has been the Humble Groy. Thank you for listening to the Adventure Game Engine Interest series, everybody. Uh, thank you everybody who joined us in the chat today um, thank you everybody who supports us on Patreon we very much appreciate it anything that you can give is just lovely we, it's, it's, it's so humbling it helps helpful. us out but it helps us out helps us keep the lights on so to speak. honestly the, the best thing that we get from all of you is your engagement and Absolutely. knowing that you're out there enjoying the stuff that we enjoy and just getting to spend time with cool people and share our Bullshit ramblings is Please do. an absolute blast. So, if you'd like to contact us, uh, you can find us. You can send an email to aegispodcast at gmail.com. That's a g e i s podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can contact us through a private message on our Facebook, our Twitter, our SoundCloud. Uh, and of course, you can send a personal message to Cot the Protector on the Green Ronin Age Appropriate Discord or the D Twenty Radio Discord. Why don't? Okay, yeah, I was saying, why don't we? We ha- we should probably get a Discord for us. We like have a, a channel in the D Twenty Radio Discord. What a username. What? A username. Username. Me an account. 
I mean, we, we could. I guess. Or you could just message us mm. in those places that Ren mm. just said. Tell us how your games are going. Uh, if you'd like Show to, us your art! If you'd like to show us your art. Uh, we can't really share the art on the podcast itself, but... There's an inherent limitation here. Mm-hmm. But we do have lots, of, like, at it. We have lots of social media that we can share it on, if you, uh, it, with your permission, of yeah. course. We don't get a... I will say we're not likely to garner you a whole lot of fame. That's not really a thing that we are going to be really good for, but we can show our appreciation for the beautiful things you create. And uh, that's... We got a lot of love. We're, mm-hmm. we're pretty good at that. Yeah, um, we always love seeing people's creations, yes. and it brings us so much joy to see the things you all do. So, And of course, if you have a question that you'd like to ask us, that you'd like us to answer on the show, uh, you can reach us at all those places. I'll probably give you an answer right away, um, but we can also answer it on the show if yeah. we bring it before the council. Sounds like a plan. So, thank you folks for joining us at the Adventure Game Engine Interest Series. Uh, I think that just about wraps up our show, but uh, this is Ren wishing lots of sixes on that stunt die. And this is Jess wishing you bleh, this is Jess wishing you good heels and happy feels. Thank you so much for listening to the Adventure Game Engine Interest Series podcast, and we will see you next time. Bye bye. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Adventure Game Engine Interest Series. If you like what we do, please consider supporting us on our Patreon. If you support us at only $3 per month, you could vote on our Patreon-only poll, which is worth twice as many votes as the other polls. Anything you can contribute is appreciated. You can find a link to our Patreon on our blog in the post for this show. If you'd like to keep up with the show, you can follow us on our Facebook or Twitter. Feel free to leave a comment or a question, or even tell us how your age games are going. We do love to hear. Feel free to comment on our show on SoundCloud, and if you can, please leave us a review on iTunes or Google Podcasts. It really helps us out. The music and sound effects you heard on the show all came from Sirenscape, the legendary program for providing sound effects and music for your tabletop games. You can get started for free if you want to try it out first, and subscribing gives you wider access to the impressive and still-growing library of sounds for fantasy, sci-fi, modern, superhero, horror, and other types of games. Take a listen to Sirenscape, my friends, because your epic games need epic sound. This is Ren, wishing lots of sixes on that stunt dive. Please take care, everyone, and we'll see you next time.